0: Welcome to the Calgary Real Estate Podcast where we talk about anything and everything related to real estate in our beautiful city. My name is Kimberly Poffenroth and I'm joined by my mom and my podcast co-host Barb Richardson. Thank you all for joining us and let's jump in. How are you doing mom?
1: I'm doing great Kim. Been a busy month hasn't it?
0: It definitely has. So I guess my first six weeks have definitely they've been busy, that's for sure. September was a crazy month. So definitely a great time to start out in real estate.
1: Well, and now that you've become an expert in real estate, we're going to turn the tables here and I'm going to ask you about what's gone on in the market in real estate for the last month. So we're kind of fresh off of the month of September. And why don't you give us an update on what the Calgary market saw in September? Yeah, of course. So it was actually the busiest September since
0: 2005. So, I mean, I felt that. I'm sure you did. Uh, You've been crazy swamped. But we saw 2,162 sales in the city of Calgary. So definitely indicative of a strong market and we also did see a lot of new listings come to market in September as well. So a lot of the people who held off on listing their home in the summer months, going on vacation, wanting to enjoy the summer, the kids are at home, they ended up putting their homes on market. So come September, so that definitely helped increase the sales. And then I also just think, you know, September is one of the highest, you know, months for sales volume because Kids are back in school, the weather's still nice out. You know, they're starting, people out there are starting to think of the potential of buying. So currently there's three months worth of inventory in the Calgary market. So that still means that it, the market does favor sellers out there. However, not quite as much as it did earlier in the year. So it's leaning a bit more towards a balanced market.
1: And that's, uh, yeah, that's interesting because we do say usually three months supply is a balanced market, but it sure doesn't feel like that in some sectors of the market. Can you talk a little bit about you know what it's looking for like in the detached versus the apartment condo market in September?
0: Of course. So detached continues to be the highest in demand and I certainly experienced that when I hosted an open house over in Crestmont, a detached home that had like over 70 people through it. Uh, So detached housing is absolutely the strongest. So there was 1,268 sales in detached housing out of the total 2,162 sales in the month of September That's pretty big gains from last year at this time. So the average detached house price is $537,000. And one of the really interesting stats that I found in the September stats that were released by Crab is that the new sale to listing ratio on detached homes are actually 80% in the Calgary market. So detached is selling.
1: Wow. And that's, and I remember well, you're a, Open house at that Cresmont house. And boy, <laughs> especially during COVID times, I think you were just like a, a traffic controller out at the front door, weren't you?
0: Oh my gosh, there was a lineup down the street. So I was not anticipating that, but I ended up selling with or selling with multiple competitive offers so that's what you're seeing in a lot of the detached market is you know competitive offers and you have to if you like a home you have to be really quick to act especially in the price points between you know 450 to like 650 um those houses are are going quick so The less conditions that you can have, you know, if you don't have to have a sale of buyer's home, if it does go competitive, you want to be prepared to make a move right away or you will, you will lose the opportunity in the detached sector.
1: And that's, that's so incredible. And that's part of our job is trying to educate buyers who are looking at that price market that, you know, you can't take your time sometimes and go back three times and keep shopping around. If you're looking for a house that's 550K, because the good ones go really quick. So if you see one that you really like, I mean, you've got to move on it. It makes it really tough for first-time buyers, but that is the market we continue to be in, in the detached segment. So what about uh, apartment condos, Kim? What's happening there? Yeah, so
0: I have been, I've written a few offers in the last couple of weeks and represented a few buyers of apartment condos. So there is movement in apartment condos still, despite, you know, some of the talk. So sold a unit in downtown Calgary that just went firm today and, you know, have a couple conditionals outside of the downtown. So there's definitely movement in apartments, but of course, not nearly as much as detached homes. Like it's not as much of the competitive offer scenario. But one thing that is, you know, apartment condos have right now a sales to listing ratio of 58%. So definitely moving slower than detached. However, you know what? There's just a five month supply of apartment condos in Calgary, which is actually far lower than this time last year. And it's way lower than it's been over the last five years. So that's a positive sign for the condo market. I mean, I think it's gonna start to move again, fingers crossed because just the price point you can get in at condos is so attractive
1: that I mean those that is positive. Five months supply of condos because when we did this podcast a few months ago, I think we still had 10 to 12 months supply. So it just shows that that market segment is finally starting to improve.
0: There's also the pressure on the condo side to act quick right now, It's not as much pressure as the single family detached, but if it's a desirable condo and you want it, like there is other interest. So the room for negotiation isn't substantial on a lot of the listings in the condo sector. Right. And what about the luxury homes? Cause you've got several listings in the luxury market currently. How are you finding that market?
1: The luxury market has been incredible. I was just pulling the stats. And in September of this year, we had 98 sales in Calgary over a million dollars, and 15 of those were over 2 million. And that compares to last year in September 2020, we had 70 sales over a million and just seven over 2 million. So this September we've doubled the number of sales over 2 million dollars in Calgary. So really amazing performance in the luxury market. It's we're getting a lot of buyers coming from Toronto and Vancouver and Vancouver Island just seeing the value differential that we have in Calgary where our home prices are about two and a half times less, two and a half, three times less than what they are in those markets. We're getting some renewed optimism in the oil and gas sector as you know, oil is getting very constrained and pricing is going up and some positive feelings about that market starting to rebound in Calgary. And I think it's still the continued COVID effects of people putting more emphasis more of their personal net worth into their housing. So the luxury market, we see no signs of it slowing down. We were recently in a competitive bid too, last week, and a product type of four million dollars, which was unheard of to happen in Calgary, certainly over the last year. So it's really the dynamics there are changing too. So it sounds like all sectors of the market, detached apartment condos, luxury, you know, are continuing really strong through the month of September.
0: Wow. And I think that still goes back to, I know I sent this in our team group chat the other day, but just the idea that and I heard this from I'm going back to million dollar listing, but Ryan Serhant said the boom that they're seeing in New York is because people are realizing that they want tangible goods to invest their money in too. So with the lack of, you know, being able to travel, being able to have vacation homes, like, or just investing your money in the stock market, which hasn't given, you know, the returns that a lot of people were hoping for, the tangible items of owning a house seem to be driving some demand.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So that's another factor. So, you know, we're getting this uh, confluence of sources kind of hitting the market and especially hitting the luxury market. So there's never been a better time to uh, list your house if you have a luxury (laughs) house in Calgary right now. So if any listeners out there, you know, have houses in that 2 million plus range and have been thinking of selling for a while, now is the time.
0: It absolutely is. Well, thank you, mom. So that's just a quick market update. And we do have a guest here. We'd like to welcome Kyle Olke to our podcast. And Kyle is a home inspector with Samsung Inspections. Kyle, we're thrilled to have you here and welcome.
2: Thank you very much. It's an honor.
0: Thank you. So the home inspection is Such a big part of the home buying process because a lot of homes, you know, when you write an offer, it's conditional on a home inspection. Of course, the odd scenarios where it's a competitive bid and you're able to, you know, not have a home inspection condition in the one off cases. However, like for the most part, home inspection is key for feeling confident to purchase your home. So, why don't you just tell us a little bit about what the role of a home inspector is?
2: Yeah, great question. So basically, the whole point of getting a home inspection done is really just to educate the buyer on, for the most part, the buyer anyway, sometimes there's a seller side of things, but to just educate on the condition of the home and what exactly they are purchasing.
0: Right. And so you're kind of going through and looking for, you know, anything that could potentially be of concern.
2: That's right. Yeah. So anything, you know, obviously the major components of a home, you know, foundation, roof, any structural stuff, heating, plumbing, electrical, those kind of major components, but also just down to the little things like doors opening and closing properly, you know, and then, yeah, just little minor upkeep things as well and little pointers as to how to maintain the home going forward.
1: So, so, Kyle, I'll jump in with a few uh, questions here. And thank you so much for being in the episode. And I know I've done several home inspections with you. Yes. And- Typically, yes. Typically it is the buyer who hires a home inspector. So typically when we write an offer, we make it conditional. The most condition, the most common conditions are home inspection and financing. And if you're buying a condo, also a condo dog condition. I even recommend a home inspections for new builds. A lot of people think you don't need them, but I think you really do because there's quite often things that are forgotten in a new build. They didn't mm-hmm. connect the dishwasher or You know they didn't connect the humidifier. There's things that just aren't done, and it's really nice to be able to have that deficiency list that you can give to a builder and say we need to make sure that all of these things are done for possession. When it comes to an inspection in a condo, it depends. I mean, if a condo has its own utilities, so its own furnace, you know, then for sure you always want a home inspection. Most apartment condos, you know, the building or the condo corp is responsible for the roof, and sometimes the windows and lots of those factors. So it's kind of a bit of a scaled down inspection. But, you know, in most cases, I usually still recommend it for a condo. I mean, you this is people's largest purchase usually of your life. So for the cost of an inspection, and maybe you can answer that, Kyle, like what is an average inspection cost a buyer?
2: Yeah, the average, I would say, for a standard house is around between $450 to, you know, $600, depending on what the inspector charges. Condos and townhouses, typically, a lot of the time nowadays are a little less. As you mentioned, there's kind of less involved in a condo inspection. So typically, yeah, there's a little bit less of a charge for that.
1: Right. Okay. And then are you seeing, do you do many inspections for sellers? Again, we have that discussion sometimes with sellers. Does it make sense to get an inspection before you list your home? What are you Mm -hmm. seeing, Kyle?
2: yeah yeah it's definitely an upward trend i would say of getting that done um it's kind of newer to the market i'd say in the last number of years where it's really grabbing traction but it's great for the seller that's looking to just kind of make sure that everything goes as smooth as possible during the transition or transaction sorry and Being having a uh, pre-list inspection is really handy just to ensure the exact condition of your home. Is there anything you've forgot to maintain over the years? And so, yeah, it's just kind of one less hurdle to jump, you know, when you're selling your home down the road there.
1: Yeah, and it... it it is interesting. Like we still don't see that many sellers who do it because yeah. generally a buyer will do their own anyway. They're not mm. going to even believe a third-party independent seller inspection. But yeah. we do recommend them if it's an older house. I mean, yeah. if it's a 1940s house, and you know people are going to be worried about structure or asbestos or you know certain things yeah, like yeah. that, it's good to put people's minds at ease if the major components of the house have been inspected in advance. Sometimes it's also a really good idea if you have a really hot product you're bringing on the market that you think might have competitive offers and lots of interest. If people have a chance to preview the inspection, they can potentially put in an offer without having that condition. So sure. there's there's different reasons why it might make sense to do in advance, but probably what, probably 80, 90% of your business is still with buyers?
2: Uh, yes, definitely.
1: Okay. Okay. And then maybe walk us through the process. So you're hired by a buyer for an inspection. Mm-hmm. So, so what happens next?
2: Yeah. So basically, we have to schedule it in. So we have to confirm with uh, the buyer's agent that it will work for them as they are present during the inspection, as well as that it works for the seller to allow us that time frame to inspect the home. So yeah, we confirm a time and date, and then yeah, the whole process kind of starts on the exterior. You check roof, foundation, siding, all that stuff, and then. Each inspector kind of has their own strategic way of doing it. I'm a top to bottom kind of inspector. So I will go start in the attic and then work my way down, you know, doing a stress test on plumbing. And like I said, checking little things all the way down to doors, opening and closing, that kind of stuff. And typically the buyer, uh, I always recommend comes during at least part of the inspection, if not the entire thing, so that they just kind of get a good understanding of the condition of the home as well. And if uh, there are any defects along the way or deficiencies, I will personally show them and kind of come up with uh, then kind of come up with a game plan as to where to take it from there.
0: Right. And what do you see as like the most common deficiencies in homes?
2: Yeah, great question. I would say parging on a foundation wall on the exterior is a very common one. It peels off after you know only 5 years or so. So that one's a minor one. It's on every single foundation really. But the most would be just kind of the neglect of a furnace, I guess you could say. That one's very common. The furnace hasn't been serviced in years it may be dirty in the manifold or on these high efficiency furnaces these condensate lines leak all the time and it can cause a lot of corrosion so yeah furnace is also you know probably one of the most popular
1: okay And is there, I know on one of the inspections we did with you, we thought it was an interesting comment. You made the comment that, you know, one of the toughest times for a buyer to purchase a home is when a home is around 10 to 12 years old, because that's when a lot of things start to go. Yes. Maybe talk a little bit more about that.
2: Yeah. So, yeah. And anything kind of, I mean, appliances nowadays, we all know they're kind of a 10 to 15 year kind of thing. A roof is typically an asphalt roof is, you know, 15 to 20 years. And yeah, furnace, all those kind of the big ticket items are that 12 to 15 year ish kind of thing. So, yeah, there's kind of an interesting. I guess, side of things there when purchasing a home that old, a lot of the time it's not neglect from the seller in not replacing those items. It's just getting close to the end of their life expectancy. So yeah, you run into that kind of quite often where they haven't had to change the furnace yet because it's still running fine. Same with hot water tank, but you never know really as uh, they are nearing the end of their life expectancy.
0: Right. So I'm going to pose this to both of you guys, this question, but if a home is nearing its life expectancy on say the roof or the furnace, what would you recommend um, either the seller do or the buyer do in that case?
1: Yeah, well, I'll jump in here first. So <laughs> you know and we we have to spend a lot of time educating sellers and buyers about home inspections because when we list a home if it's for example 15 18 years old and it's got you know original roof original mechanicals original appliances it, we're not hiding it. So the buyer kind of has to come in and we're not marketing it as a brand new roof or brand new furnaces. So they are the age that they are, and mm-hmm. that's built into the price. So for a buyer to come back after an inspection and say, well, we want, you know, 25k off because it needs a new roof in the next year and it's going to need a new furnace. And you know, we representing the seller would say, well, no, because that was factored into your purchase price. But if they come back and say, well, the roof is actually leaking now, right? Like it's a, or the fern or the hot water tank, we can't fill up two tubs and have a shower running at the same time. Like it's clearly at the end of its life. It's no longer functionally usable. Mm-hmm. Well then, you know, that is a problem that is generally something that the seller is expected to contribute towards a fix. If a house needs a new roof, for example, our strategy is usually that the seller and buyer split the cost for that because if it needs a new roof imminently, the new buyer is going to benefit for years ahead of the new roof and the seller shouldn't be turning over a house that has a leaking roof and needs a new roof imminently. So it's back to a negotiation with the seller agent and the buyer agent. Sometimes it feels like from our perspective, we have two whole separate negotiations. We think we have a deal done when you have a purchase offer. And then you go to the inspection, whether it's the condo dock inspection or the home inspection. And it opens up a bunch of other items and you start a whole new process of uh, discussion, and that's where you really have to rely on a educated, experienced agent to kind of help you through that. Because there's definitely the reasonableness test through that.
0: And I've even noticed, like you know, in the home inspection reports. Of course, Kyle, you do a fantastic job of outlining. I love how your reports have like the major concerns and the minor concerns, because that's mm-hmm. a really good way to break it up. But sometimes buyers look at all the concerns and think that all of them need to be fixed. So mom, what what do you say to buyers who kind of are looking at that home inspection report and saying, well, you know, in, in this room, this door doesn't work. And in this room, this and this doesn't work. But like, there is a little bit of like, you can't really ask for the whole package typically. <laughs>
1: no. So when I have buyers, I tell them, you're going to get a report that's like 120 pages long. It's overwhelming. And there's going to be, even on a new bill, there's going to be like, 100, you know, a hundred items right on here. And a lot of them are just maintenance fyi type information so what you're really looking for is the really big items of significance and i agree with cam kyle i like the way you break that up for people because a lot of inspection reports do not and they email out to the buyer this 100 there's one that i just saw the other day there was 160 pages and nowhere could a person discern what was really significant and what mm-hmm. wasn't? And the buyers, as you would, as you would expect, panic, and they go through a line item by line item, and you yep. know, unless they have an educated realtor with them helping point out what's significant and what isn't, it's a really challenging process for everyone.
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah. And so what do you kind of like when someone though comes to you and says, I want all these 35 items fixed. How do you address that?
1: Yeah. So it, you know, it all depends on so many things, right? Like usually what we do is we, you know, again, if I'm working with the buyer, putting on my buyer's agent hat, I'll come back and I'll educate them on, you knew that this house was 20 years old and we knew that it was an original roof and original furnaces. So therefore they are still working. They need to be replaced in a few years, but this was factored into the price we paid for the house. So I usually do not encourage that we try to negotiate on those items. You know, it's more the the hot water tank needs replacing like immediately or Mm -hmm. some of the plumbing Doesn't work, or there's moisture in one room and it's bubbling up on the baseboards, and we need to figure out what the root cause of that is. So, you know, figuring out what is a true deficiency versus a maintenance life cycle kind of item is really the key for a realtor. And lots of times we'll go back and we'll talk to the inspector and say, "What well, you know, how significant was this? Sometimes, Kyle, as you know, we, I mean, I know you've got particular expertise in roofing, some inspectors, maybe are an electrician by trade. So sometimes they have more expertise in one area than another. Mm-hmm. But often if you identify concerned with the furnace, for example, your recommendation is to get in a qualified HVAC company, yes. come in and look at it. And so that's usually what we recommend because you just kind of pointed out, you know, that something might be wrong here. It hasn't been serviced. So then the next step is we usually get that qualified HVAC company to come in, or we put it on the sellers that they have that happen, a servicing and cleaning before possession. Mm-hmm. So it's, that's why I always I hate home inspections that are done right before the condition date. Like, I always try to have them done if you can, like a week or several days in advance, so that we buyers have time to absorb it, sellers have time to absorb any requests, the two realtors have time to talk back and forth, get experts in if needed. It's a whole process that quite often takes a few days to work through. Like, Kyle, would you say, you know, when you like when you identify, you know, issues that you would call significant issues, you know, what are you what are you kind of telling the, the buyer that they should be doing with those?
2: Yeah, really, just as you mentioned earlier, basically bring in a qualified contractor to just further evaluate. I mean, there's always signs of uh, a deficiency or that it's not maybe working at a hundred percent, you know, like the furnace, if the inducer motor is grinding a bit, for example, while, you know, that's a telltale sign that it could start to be, you know, going. And I'm, just, we just simply will recommend that you bring in that qualified company there to further diagnose it as we are not, you know, perfect and as experienced in it as as those guys are and also we cannot provide a quote right so even if the motor is completely toast we do not know the exact make and model and what it's going to cost um to replace it so you know that's when these guys can come in and give a actual proper quote and diagnose it with what needs to be done
1: so, and so kyle, what, oh go ahead so what if kyle a, a buyer you know, address some of these things with the seller, and then some things got fixed before possession, which is typical. Yep. Do buyers quite often engage you again to come back in and, and almost check the work that was done?
2: You know, not usually. I've had a few people ask if that's how the process process works, but it's really not. If you've got receipts, if the sellers have proof of receipts of all the work that was completed that should suffice in in most cases buyers are content with that especially if it is a well-known reputable company that did the work and usually that is part of the negotiations as well is that it can't just be your neighbor coming over and fixing it for you so if they have evidence and proof of the work Repaired uh, and completed. That is enough because, again, yes, I I could go back there and you know tell that it's it's working again or not or whatnot, but it's just an, another charge that we would have to charge to clients, and really, it's not a necessary step.
0: Okay. Okay. And what advice would you give Kyle to sellers who? You know, have a listing or listing to help them make the inspection go smoother to give, you know, the confidence to the buyer and prepare their themselves to not have, you know, the buyer's inspection go haywire. (laughs) (laughs)
2: Yeah, yeah, great, great question. You're basically trying to put as much confidence in these potential buyers as possible, right? So I think cleanliness is one of the most overlooked things. Just having your house in order goes a long way. It just shows that you really care for your home and you have cared for it. Obviously, as Barb mentioned, there's going to be a laundry list of things that come up, even if it's a new build, but that's just wear and tear on a home, right? People want to just get that confidence of these guys really, when something came up, they took care of it. So cleanliness is a big one. And yeah, just little things as far as, you know, our our faucet dripping shower heads. That one is such a common one. A shower head, the Teflon is no longer holding. So the shower head spews a little bit. It's just little things like that, that when all of a sudden there's just a list that keeps growing and growing, it may be so minor, but the list grows and grows and these potential buyers all of a sudden, they're just kind of heavy hearted because there's so many minor things adding up that really take next to nothing for cost and next to nothing for time for the average Joe to repair.
1: And that is so true, right? It's like the straw that broke the camel's back. I mean, you have to remember as a seller, you don't want to scare your buyers off. So Mm -hmm. when they go through this, they want to see a well-maintained home. So that's like, making sure you have a new filter in your furnace, right? Before yep. the inspection. It's I always say to sellers actually to get their furnace serviced and cleaned before we list or before an inspection. If you do have an older roof, have a roofing company come out and check it out, do some repairs before the home inspection. Like be proactive on, you know, some of the items that could be problematic So the more you go into an inspection prepared, the better the outcome will be for a seller.
2: Yeah. And to add on that, I've seen a few sellers have their portfolio of all the receipts of work done over the years that they've owned the home. I think that is one of the most spectacular ideas you can do. If you can lay out all those receipts on the kitchen table when they're there for the inspection or even for showings. It just, again, it just shows how much you've really cared for that home during the time that you've owned it.
0: That's a great suggestion. That's like, I mean, spurring my mind, I'm like, oh, I better start collecting receipts for those types of, (laughs) those types of fixes. Like, for example, I just had to buy a new dishwasher. Like I should probably keep hold of,
1: of proof there. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. And the biggest, you know, the biggest issue people always seem to worry about is water. Mm-hmm. Right. So when you do an inspection, and I think most inspectors now they have those cool infrared cameras to look behind walls and look under the floor and make floor, make sure, like if you have, have a heated bathroom floor, you can see the heat turning on. Yep. But you look behind walls to see if there's any evidence of moisture. You know, how often, how common is that to come up in an inspection?
2: Yeah, uh, it's very common to be honest. It's I just did a brand new build the other day. I had two separate leaks. And so yeah, it's it's very common, especially for items that aren't used a lot. You see it a lot in jetted tubs. You know, not many people really use a jetted tub anymore. So a lot of the time, the pump has a failed seal around it somewhere, and it's it's just dripping a little bit when it's uh, turned on. And it's not that the sellers uh, were neglecting it; they just a lot of time don't use something like that. Or you know, if it's just a, a couple in the house and it's a big house, they're not using a certain bathroom or two or three bathrooms very often. So yeah, leaks they happen quite often. And sometimes you're just, it's because you just didn't know about it. It's fairly rare that you find a major stain, you know, and it's completely wet at time of inspection and the seller has neglected to fix it. That's pretty rare. So yeah, usually it's just something that went undetected by the seller.
1: And that is, and that's something we look at when we walk through a house before we list it, we spend a lot of time looking at the ceilings and the walls Mm -hmm. and, you know, we see something on the ceiling we say, well, what happened here? Right. And they say, oh yeah, well, our tub's above that. And, you know, so maybe it was that, well, it probably is that right. Like (laughs) did you do anything about it? Like, and so we try to ask those questions and make sure that You know, a seller doesn't just paint over it unless the underlying problem has been remediated and, you know, trying to understand that with water and make sure that it's dealt with is, is just really important. You brought up a pet peeve of mine on jetted tubs, like so many sellers do not use jetted tubs anymore, And I know you guys in inspections always test them too. And, oh, my God, it's mortifying the crap that comes out of those jets when they haven't been used. So I think I heard once you put in, what, dishwashing soap or something? Yes, I
2: have heard that as well. Yeah, and then let it run for five or ten minutes, and it's supposed to self-clean itself a little bit.
1: Right. But if you have a jetted tub and you never use it, like, it's maybe good to think of getting rid of it. (laughs) Agreed. Yeah. 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 Yeah.
0: Well, do you have any like, you know, stories Kyle that you've gone to do an inspection that you would classify as horror stories?
2: Great question again. I had a sewer backup once. So, yeah, the sewage was not draining properly. So, by the time I got to the basement after testing everything, the whole utility room was three inches oh. of. Oh, no. fluid. So yeah, that one was not fun. And then another one which would have never got to this stage for a normal buyer because this was for a company that bought homes, but these sellers obviously could not sell their house because they had basically a miniature farm in their home. They had miniature pigs and dozens of rabbits. I'm Ew. talking hay in the carpets. It, <laughs> yeah, I almost refused the work that time just because of the stench. Oh no. Oh, That's God.
0: so gross. And so <laughs> at what point I guess because Kyle, you can't really recommend the buyers don't go through with a purchase if it's but mm-hmm. like, you give the facts. Yep. But you're not telling the buyers, you know, whether to go through or not. So at what point, I guess, does the realtor come into play? And at what point do you or mom, have you ever advised clients like not to go through with the purchase based on a home inspection?
1: Oh, absolutely. Like, absolutely. I mean, we did one, a few months ago with good friends of mine too and a buyer and it wasn't you Kyle it was doing the inspection it was someone else but it was an older house and they had an illegal suite downstairs and the walls were like literally spongy like we were not able to see mm-hmm. the suite when we put the offer in and it was competitive so we went down there and the walls were spongy and so there was so much moisture in that house in the lower level, like so many problems. You could just smell it as soon as you open the door to the basement. And so I absolutely advise the buyers that we should move on. They they weren't in a financial position to you know pay the remedy something like that, which would have been significant. So yeah, I have several times recommended it. Usually if they really want the house, if it's not catastrophic, we can work something out. I mean it is you know, usually we can keep it together. I mean, it's just a matter of negotiating again on what's reasonable, but there is the odd time. It's just better to walk. Yeah. One thing, Kyle, when you brought up the sewer, that is becoming increasingly of interest to buyers is Mm -hmm. um, having a sewer line scope. Yeah. Especially when you're in uh, older areas with big trees where you can get the roots, you know, intertwined into the sewer lines. So do you work with a company that, that would do that if a buyer requested that or?
2: Yeah, absolutely. I do work with all types of trades, really. I mean, we're a referral kind of company too, as far as, you know, we don't do all the work, but we are well connected with, you know, amazing companies that do. And so, yeah, a plumber would do that. And I, I'm with you. I always, even if I'm doing the inspection already on an older home, I will ask the agent and the client if they are planning on getting a sewer scope done, just so they're aware. And I will really recommend that they do it. Like you mentioned, those older neighborhoods with big pushing roots, they can easily crack a waistline there or a sewer line and, and, You are, as the homeowner, responsible for all the sewer line up until the street, right? So if it is on your property where a root penetrated a pipe, that is on you to dig up that yard and to have that repaired. And usually it starts at around $20,000 to get done.
1: Yeah, it is significant, and a sewer line scope is like two hundred and fifty bucks. Exactly,
2: exactly. Cool
1: video, and like it's so worth it. I mean, yeah,
2: and those guys, those plumbers are amazing at what they do. It's something that a lot of inspectors look at adding to their portfolio. But again, the problem is there'd be another step involved still, which is the quoting. So if we, if I offered the service and I did a scope. And I do find that the pipe has been penetrated and broken. I'm not a qualified plumber to, you know, give a proper price on what it's going to cost. So that's why it's usually just more beneficial for everybody to just have a third party company come in and do that sewer scope. And then if they run into any issues within a matter of hours, they typically will get a price to have it all remedied.
1: Right. That makes sense. And and I know one thing too, you know, different generations of homes in Calgary are known for different problematic features in it, right? So homes that were built in the 80s and 90s have poly B piping, like still throughout Signal Hill and lots of areas like that. They're they're full of it. And the homes that were built in the 50s 50s 60s like university heights neighborhoods like that usually have asbestos in their home which again isn't a problem unless you're going to do a renovation and you disturb it but there's certain decades that are known for certain problems so do do you kind of when you when you somebody books an inspection they you know it's a 1989 house in signal hill like you kind of go in knowing that you know here's something Uh, you really have to look at and
2: yeah absolutely and that's something i try and you know already ask a little bit about from the agent or the buyer who has booked it I I get that information up front you know just the basics of square footage of the home and age and location and so if I know going into it that it is a 90s home I will Immediately ask, you know, does it have Poly B? Not that I'm so concerned about it that they shouldn't even be getting that inspection done. That has nothing to do with it. It's just, you know, unfortunately, some realtors don't even, you know, give the heads up on that to their buyers, which their buyers have no idea. They've never heard of polybutylene before. And, you know, unfortunately, I've had deals fall apart simply because they didn't know the house had that going into the inspection and they, you know, weren't comfortable with it afterwards. So, yeah, I try and do my due diligence up front and just, you know, ask, you know, is it, uh, you know, does it, are we expecting or is the buyer expecting that there's poly B or if it's a 50s home, are they expecting that there's going to be asbestos because they should be aware of those things going into it just, you know, for their own sake.
0: Yeah. And almost all homes before, like, I guess, what is it like the eighties would have asbestos, wouldn't they, or how? Way
2: more so before the seventies.
0: Seventies. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I went through an experience with asbestos at my old condo where I got kicked out for a month and they came in with hazmat suits and did a lot of work and had to clean all the furniture, everything. So it. it When asbestos is exposed, it's quite the process. But when it's in the house and not exposed, which it shouldn't be, it's fine. It's fine. So I think that's a big thing for people to understand because a lot of, I mean, you see it in a lot of home inspection reports, like, yeah, light, or at least I just had a case um, where I saw it in a home inspection report, but it's like, yeah, likely asbestos but that doesn't mean it came up
2: mm-hmm. right it's
1: not an issue until it's yeah. disturbed and, yep. and same with even poly b i mean most inspectors or people do not recommend you take it all out i mean it's you know it, it but people recommend you replace it as you renovate the house so when yep. you put in a new bathroom put in new lines take out the old poly b and you know it, it you can kind of do it that way over time and um It kind of is what it is, but all of these things are just to kind of keep them in perspective and look at the whole bigger picture. And, you know, our job as Kyle's job is to be objective and point out all this stuff to the buyers and, and not freak them out. I think you do a good job in helping prioritize what's just a maintenance issue and what's Mm -hmm. something more significant. And I really like that. And our job as agents is to, figure out what was priced into the price of the house and what maybe were surprises that came out of the home inspection that either need to be investigated further or potentially have some cash adjustment to compensate for or have the seller make sure they're addressed or rectified for possession. So that's that's kind of our job out of it. So it's very much a teamwork thing. And which is why my biggest recommendation on a deal is to try to get it done as quick as possible once you've got that conditional deal. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I agree. Well, Kyle, do you have any questions for us? Or is there anything, um that you have remaining that you'd like to ask Kyle?
1: Well, I don't know. I think I've gone through a lot. I mean, I know. uh, I know we'll be working together quite a bit more too, Kyle. And I enjoy that. And you know, I like. So, you like it when the buyers are there with you through most of the inspection, or do you prefer it more that they give you a chance to do your work and then they come back and you kind of do a walkthrough with them?
2: Yeah, I think you know it's a more. It's more trending right now that they come near the end of the inspection. So, you know, I don't need another shadow. the whole time but in saying that it's a little bit different if they are maybe a first-time home buyer if they've never you know they don't know anything about a house they don't know where the main water shut off is anything like that then you know I'm I encourage them to come for as much as they really want and that way you know you can just they get a good feel for you know the home and where things are but typically someone who's owned a home or two or ten they really only need to be there for the last half an hour or so get a summary of you know what we what we found and during the inspection and kind of you know chat with them and their agents on you know how to move forward with those remedies
0: that makes sense well kyle thank you so much for being here today so how can our listeners find you to book a home inspection
2: yeah, it's been a pleasure. So as far as booking a home inspection, you can find me at uh, SampsonInspections.com, and I guess, or my phone number 403-991-8582. But yeah, that's that's where you can reach me at.
0: Awesome. Well, thank you so much. And I'm looking forward, I know we'll have many, many more inspections with you in the future here. So (laughs) uh, one of the things that I just love about your reports is how easy, like how you've split them up. It just makes it so much less intimidating having the major and minor, you know, concerns and priorities outlined for buyers to make the right decisions and for the realtors to advise too. Yeah. Well, so it's definitely nice to see that.
2: Yeah, and I'm glad it's helpful. Yeah.
0: Uh, yes. Thank you so much, Kyle. Thank you very much for Thank being you here. Guys. With that, I would like to thank you all for listening. Thank you very much, Mom, for being here today. I would like to thank all of our listeners and, of course, our little lapdog, Coda for joining us. We hope you all have a great day. And please do not hesitate to reach out, you know, Calgary Real Estate Podcast or find us at Richardson Group YYC on the Sotheby's Real Estate site as well. We are always happy to chat. Thank you very much. Bye-bye.